0: Welcome into the newest edition of the Checkerboard Chat. We have plenty of Tennessee sports coverage to get to you today. Tennessee basketball team finishes their regular season strong with a win over Florida. The Tennessee women's basketball team got bounced in the semifinals at SEC Tournament, and then the Tennessee baseball team had a strong week going 4-0 and sweeping Georgia State. We will start with the Tennessee basketball team. I'm Ryan Shumpert, joined as always in this segment by our Tennessee men's basketball beat writer, Jeffrey Russell. Jeffrey, Tennessee looks pretty shaky for most of the first half Sunday against Florida, but then rightens the ship and goes on to win 65-54 to 54 over to Gators. What were your takeaways from Tennessee's win?
1: So I think I had two big takeaways. Obviously, yeah, the first half was pretty shaky, but the one bright spot of that first half was the play of John Fulkerson um he had one big game a few weeks ago against South Carolina but even that didn't really seem sustainable because he was just really getting fouled and going to the free throw line he wasn't actually making shots he really wasn't even getting close to putting the ball in the basket but today or Yesterday uh, on Sunday, he was he was making moves. He was playing with, you know, a tenacity that you really hadn't seen from him all season. So that was nice to see in the first half if you're if you're the Tennessee coaches trying to get this team ready to go down the stretch. And then the second half Tennessee was able to turn their defense into offense, which is something they haven't done in a long time. And when they were able to do it, they looked like they did at the beginning of the season, like they're one of the best teams in the nation. So I don't know if this is something that maybe kickstarted, maybe the week off was really good for them, but they're starting to trend in the right direction if they're getting back to those sort of things.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with both those. Thing is to I mean, he was just way more aggressive than he's been. Really, mm-hmm. He just had, was playing with more confidence, more aggression. and. I mean, you've talked about it a lot on here, that the way he plays is so important that he can play with that aggression and confidence. But for me, yeah, it was, it was the defense that stood out. At the last 24 minutes of the game, Florida scores just 21 points. Tennessee completely suffocates them on, on defense. And really, Tennessee's defense was good the first – or five to seven minutes of the game, too. It was really just the middle ten minutes of the second half or, 10, or excuse me, the first half where Tennessee struggled on defense. And I think that's what has to be the encouraging thing, we, you know, obviously we talked a ton on here about Tennessee's inconsistencies this season. And for the most part, it seems to be they go as how they shoot. They didn't shoot well Sunday. Just 3-21 of 21 from 3, 27-62 from the field. Obviously not awful from the field, awful from three-point line, not impressive. But the fact that Tennessee was able to, like you said, they looked like they did earlier in the season on defense. They were locked in on that side. They were able to turn it into offense, but they were really giving up no easy baskets, turned... Florida over 16 times so to me how you know the week off I'm sure was a huge played a huge role in Tennessee's ability to do that how consistently can they do that when they're playing games every single day or every other day like they will be from here on out to me I think is the big question
1: yeah, I think one of the other maybe underlying factors of, or not factors, but underlying things that maybe won't get talked about as much from the game against Florida is you started to see Jaden and Keon really attack the basket again. They were driving, forcing their way into the lane and going up real strong, whether whether they were making the shot or not or getting fouled, they weren't really a- afraid of contact they were looking for it trying to create opportunities around the rim which they haven't for the past few weeks so starting to see them get back into that was also something that kind of I think sparked the play that uh, Tennessee had yesterday
0: yeah definitely I thought Keon Johnson I was almost he ended up I think having 14 points but got four of them real late but I was almost surprised he didn't have more points halfway through the game he was it was it was the best game I thought he'd played in a while he was aggressive without taking bad shots on offense and really was settling less for that mid-range jump jumper and was doing a good job of getting to the basket. And Well, he got to the basket and got a shot blocked a few times, but overall I think it was it was still certainly more beneficial. And then the other thing, and this one I definitely don't think is going to be sustainable for Tennessee, but something that stood out was just the rebounding in the second half. Tennessee was able to really dominate the offensive glass. I think there was a possession pretty early in the, the second half when I think Florida was still up four or five points that Tennessee got four offensive rebounds and scored and seems like we've seen that happen plenty of times this year against Tennessee and they haven't been able to use it in their advantage, but you looked at the way that East pond rebounded yesterday, eight rebounds. I think he had six or seven there early and just in the first five minutes of the second half. And then Josiah Jordan James, we obviously know he's a really good rebounder. He had 10 yesterday. So th- that's the stuff that I think Tennessee needs from those guys. Now I don't think it's going to come, you know, in the same level that it did yesterday, but Tennessee, can get Josiah James and Eves Pons to be attacking the glass, especially if you can add on the way Fulkerson played. I think that certainly changes the outlook for this team. Speaking of John Fulkerson, we've talked about his performance yesterday being a good one. He tied Tennessee's lead with 14 points, did it on six to 10 shooting, seven rebounds, and then four assists on zero turnovers. That last two numbers really stood out to me, especially after Auburn game where he turned it over five times, What did you see from Fulkerson? What was he doing so well and how sustainable is it? Do you think it was just maybe uh, part of uh, the emotions of a senior day that was clearly weighing on him pretty heavily?
1: He's like we've said, he started to play with uh, tenacity and physicality again that he hasn't really played with all season. He wasn't really scared to attack the basket. You saw him go up for a big uh, slam dunk attempt early in the first half. He, he missed, but it didn't really seem to affect him, and that's fine. I mean, you. Attack! Keep attacking the basket. If you miss those, okay, you're going to hit those eventually because they're just going to get out of your way. No one's going to want to get dumped on when 6'9", John Fulkerson's coming through the lane. So maybe it was the senior day, uh, you know, weighing on him. And if that is it, that's fine. If that was what it needed to take to get him going into gear... He, it's sustainable because we saw him play like that last season. We saw him do it, and he has more talent around him this year. So it's not like he's going to be the focal point of, you know, what defenses are trying to stop. So, yeah, it's sustainable. And if it, senior day is what it took to get him going, I, I think everybody will be okay with that.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, certainly he, like, he did play like this last year. So you know it, it's possible. Obviously, consistency is going to be the big thing. Can he do it consistently? You know, that's the big word Rick Barnes says about just about anything. But I, I do agree. It doesn't really feel like the South Carolina game did when he scored 20 points. That game, he was getting a lot of easy putbacks. You mentioned the free throws, running, beating this man down the court for layups. He looked much more like he did last season on Sunday. The play that stood out to me was, I think this was a play pretty late in the first half. He got a long offensive rebound, and he I don't even remember who the guard was. But he had a guard that was open that he could have kicked out to. And I mean, it was a play. There was not a thought in my head that he was going to try to score because so he was 12 feet from the basket. And he faked the pass, spun baseline, and finished the reverse layup. And I think he got fouled on the play too. And that, that was like, whoa. I mean, you have, we haven't seen that John Fulkerson at all this season. The confidence, the the aggression. So, you know, maybe he is into that mode. He, they can really channel that. And he was talking after the game, they would had their best practices all year that they'd had leading up. So... It is sustainable, it is possible, but I will remain a little bit skeptical until I see it for a couple straight games or a little bit more a little bit more of it, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's, that's definitely fair, and I think anybody that you know knows how this season has went will we'll be right there along with you.
0: Yeah, certainly. I think anything this Tennessee team does well, you've had to wait and see if they could do it consistently because they really have struggled, even though they have done well, they've struggled to do it well consistently. So Tennessee now heads into the SEC tournament this next weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. The Vols, with the win over Florida yesterday, clinched the four seed, getting that all-important double bye. So it looks like Tennessee might have another uh, rematch coming up with the Gators as Florida is the five seed. And Tennessee will get the winner of the Florida game game with either Vanderbilt or Texas A&M. What do you see as Tennessee's outlook in the SEC tournament? And – yeah, what did you think of, I guess, the draw that Tennessee got?
1: I, I think it's the best thing you could have hoped for. I mean, there the SEC tournament's going to be tough this this year. It's there's a lot of good teams, a lot of explosive offenses, I think going in against a team that you just gained so much confidence against with that second half, because, you know, you don't like to look ahead, but most likely you're playing Florida. I don't see a or Vanderbilt getting past Florida so having that just recent confidence with what you did in the second half against Florida I think I think it means a lot and I think if you know another week off to get healthy continue to practice continue to work on things I uh, you know I think they can get past Florida and then you're looking at maybe above them in the top of the bracket for Alabama I think it's Alabama will play Kentucky and Mississippi State the winner of that you know, I, I think, uh, I think Kentucky gets past Mississippi state and then whatever happens in the Kentucky Alabama game happens. Um, I think if you play Alabama again, uh, you know, they shot 50% from the field, the free throw line or the three point line, the first time you played them, they made 10, 10, three pointers. Uh, You know, I don't think they'll do that again. They'll, they'll stay hot, but I don't think they'll do that again. Uh, And if you play Kentucky, they're, you know, they're going to be tough. They have a lot of talent, but they still struggle to put together, put it together at times. So there's definitely a path there that they can start, you know, making a way to maybe Saturday or Sunday.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think first you start to look at it, at least from how Tennessee matches up, I think you definitely – Alabama, Arkansas, and LSU were the three teams that you're like, Tennessee, they're going to be an uphill battle to win that game. So I think at first it was huge that they could get the four seed just because that meant they were going to have to play Florida or Missouri or Ole Miss. On the Friday game, they wouldn't have to start with, obviously, if they would have lost, they would have to play a game Thursday. But on Friday, they wouldn't have to play a team that you were looking, excuse me, looking at an uphill battle for. So I think that's the first thing that's real and encouraging sign. Obviously, Florida didn't have Trey Mann yesterday, one of their better players, but still, it should be a team Tennessee has confidence against after what they, how they played against them on Sunday and the success they've had with against them the past few years. And then moving forward, obviously, Friday, you knew they were going to have to play someone really good, no matter – what that was, and I think it'll be interesting because I'm with you. I think Kentucky will probably beat Mississippi State. Kentucky's playing better, and they played Alabama really well about a month ago, kind of when Kentucky started to play better. I think that might have been maybe the game before Tennessee played them in rough and won, but they played a lot better in that game. I think they match up pretty well against Alabama, and they're playing well, so I think that's a trap game for Alabama, not that I necessarily would pick Kentucky to win that, but, and then on the other, other end, I think, it's kind of weird to say because I do think Alabama is a better team than Arkansas, but the way Arkansas is playing right now and the way that Tennessee lost that first game to Alabama, I kind of think Tennessee matches up a little bit better against Alabama. Alabama obviously has the ability to shoot the three at a really high level. I that was a difference in that first game. They made those five threes in the first four minutes of the second half on just about six possessions. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I don't, I don't and Alabama is capable of doing that. Don't get me wrong, but, Alabama, for the most part this the season, is leaning more on its defense than it has its offense. So I think that's a game that Tennessee could muck up a little bit, play physical, because Alabama doesn't rebound the ball very well either, which is another reason I think Tennessee matches up well in that game. And it's not a game I'd pick Tennessee to win, but I do think it plays pretty well for Tennessee, especially with the way that first game went down. I think you'll, you'll, you'd see a more motivated Tennessee team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think there's definitely paths to victory for whoever you're playing. I think they've seen, if they have to play Kentucky again, they've seen them twice at this point. They know what they're going to expect. And I think, you know, maybe you have a more motivated John Fulkerson, a more healthy Eves Ponds. You can kind of have a more, you know, solidified post presence against Olivier Saar and the rest of the Kentucky, uh, you know, team.
0: Yeah, definitely. Would be, certainly be an interesting, uh, Third game between Tennessee and Kentucky. We've already seen the Vols and Wildcats meet twice in the SEC tournament since Rick Barnes has been at Tennessee. So the potential for a third game and certainly what would be a very high-pressure game is Kentucky is hoping to make a run this week to make the NCAA tournament in Tennessee, looking to get things back rolling in the right way, heading into the NCAA tournament. The Vols will start their SEC tournament action on Friday at ESPN. They'll play in the second game slot 25 minutes after the Alabama Kentucky Mississippi State game in so probably looking at a 230 245 tip it'll be pretty flexible all weekend for Tennessee and Nashville and so let's we're sitting here on Monday and Tennessee has let's say made it to Sunday at SC tournament won the SEC tournament had a successful SEC tournament how were they able to do it
1: They locked in on defense, man. Uh, You know, I think offense is what it is at this point, but when they're locked in on defense, no one can really touch them uh, outside of maybe, you know, if they had to play Baylor or Gonzaga or something like that. But, like, nobody – I don't think anybody in the SEC can really play with them when they're locked in on defense. And Florida's a good team who's kind of turned it on lately. And, you know, Tennessee kind of shut them down in that second half. I think uh, if they're in – make it into Sunday and, you know, they win. I think you probably saw John Volkerson continue his success from this week and they locked in on defense.
0: Yeah, I can com- I completely agree. I think that's gonna be the key for Tennessee to rest of the way. They kind of are what they are on offense, but they gotta control defense. They gotta control what they can control and what they can do at a high clip. So completely agree. It to me seems really unlikely that Tennessee would have three straight good shooting games. You know, they'll win the SEC tournament maybe that is possible but it doesn't seem like Tennessee's put together more than 2 in a row all season and even then it's they haven't done that many times so i agree with that and then i would pivot and say the rebounding i think is the huge thing they defense and rebounding they too many games this year they've been good at re excuse me on defensive end but they don't get don't finish possessions out with rebounds and it really kills them because you look at Tennessee isn't a team that has a ton of depth so it's hard to come out and play really good defense night in and after night out when you're leaning on the same guys. And it gets even harder when you got to play 20 more seconds of defense after you have played 25 really good seconds of defense. So I think that's, those are two big things. And I'm, I'm really with you on the, I don't know if it necessarily just has to be John Fulkerson, but whether it's John Fulkerson or East Ponds or Olivier Kamlois, someone for Tennessee has to play good on the interior, be consistent throughout the week and, Tennessee can't be having to figure out what they're doing inside game by game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, there's definitely a path to get there. They have the team, they have the talent. It's just, you know, Rick Barnes's word, consistency. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, certainly should be interesting and should be a, a, you know, a challenging weekend for Tennessee, but certainly one to, where the bracket sets up the opportunity as well, not just staring at what could be an easy one game and out, which it looked like it could potentially be, depending on how the bracket fell and how Tennessee did Sunday against Florida. But we will have complete coverage from Tennessee's SEC tournament weekend in Nashville. And then we will go straight from that. This complete coverage of the NCAA tournament bracket is should come out next Sunday. And we should be on the podcast for you guys on Monday, breaking down Tennessee's SEC tournament and what their seeding, what their bracket looks like, in the NCAA tournament in Indianapolis. I was about to say, we don't have a city to point it to. But we do have <laughs> a city to point it to this, city, this year with everything in Indianapolis. So it should be interesting. Looks like the Vols are about a sixth seed right now. Could probably stay in that or play their way back to a seventh seed with how they do in Nashville this weekend. But should certainly be interesting. We will have everything you need at utdailybeacon.com. We will be back in segment number two to talk a little bit of Tennessee Lady Vols basketball. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to the second Segment of this checkerboard chat. I'm joined now by the system sports editor here at the Daily Beacon and UT Lady Vols beat writer Josh Lane. Josh, it was a up and down week for the Lady Vols in Greenville. They get a quarterfinal win over Ole Miss and come from behind fashion and then fall to South Carolina in the semifinal game. Just what were your takeaways from uh, the weekend, in Greenville?
2: Yeah, well. To start, all those all, all those things we talked about last week um, about you know starting fast, about limiting turnovers, playing smart, all those things uh, they didn't they didn't do basically any of them. And you know, Ole Miss was weak enough. Um, Raniah Davis had a career game, so they kind of kind of made up for it against uh, Ole Miss. It was a, you know slow start for them, but Davis dropped thirty three points, so you know they made up for that. They bounced back, but did the same thing again the next game against South Carolina, and South Carolina was way too good. For Tennessee to do that and I think we saw the you know we saw what happened because of that South Carolina went on to win the SEC tournament so you know these problems continue to exist for Tennessee they're going to have a week to look at them but you know if anything it kind of kind of brought to light the problems and really with the March Madness and everything coming up I think maybe they realize just how big of an issue it is against South Carolina because if they're going to make a deep postseason run then, you know, they're going to have to play some really good teams. And that these issues that we've been talking about for a while are definitely going to be um, something that they're going to have to address. But I think overall, um, kind of looking in, at the broad, broad perspective of the SEC tournament, I think you can still take away that it's been a successful season for Tennessee because they were, they were s- projected to finish sixth in the SEC. You know, they, they came in third. They got the double bye no, they won a game in the tournament. So I think all in all, it was a successful season, uh, regular season, but I think you saw some problems get highlighted in the SEC tournament, and hopefully uh, they're going to address some moving
0: forward. Yeah, I think certainly a good point on kind of showing how much of a success the season was overall. I think it was the first time in five or six years Tennessee had made the semifinal of the SEC tournament, which is a crazy stat. It shows how far the program had fallen. But, yeah, no, I mean, credit to you. you. You talked about it last week, the the slow starts. It's, it's been a problem. They can maybe get away with it against, you know, in the first game. They can't get away with it against better teams. And that's exactly what happened both those games. I mean, why do you think the slow starts keep on being a problem? And what has Coach Harper said about it? I mean, how do, you, how do you explain it?
2: Yeah, I wish I had a really good answer about that. But I, to be honest, I don't know, Mick, because I guess I think looking at Especially South Carolina, their defense was very, very good about that, um, about limiting the production inside and the paint. That's where Tennessee has thrived all year. So they did that, but their defense also shut down Raniah Davis and Ray Burrell um, for just like the second time all year. Neither of them scored in double figures. And the first time was, you know, they were resting all their starters in like kind of a, an easy game. So, you know, in the, your first real competitive game of the season where, Davis and Burrell you know don't score double figures I think um, you know that's that's a big reason why the slow start but there was that you know the turnovers were really bad in the first quarter again Um, they got Tennessee got into a lot of foul trouble there in the first half of the first quarter and so you know they're bringing out some of their starters because Kittle on Key got four fouls early and you have to bring in some of your bench that's not been productive at all this year so you know it's kind of all those reasons I think um, have led to the slow start but it's it's frustrating because we've been talking about it for so long and you know, you think they, they that's something obviously that they realize, but you know, they whether they addressed it or not, it hasn't really, you know, improved at all over the course of the last couple of weeks.
0: Maybe this is just oversimplifying it. So I, I want to get your thoughts on it. But it almost feels like when you get in the tournament play, this team is is so reliant on Davis and so reliant on Burrell that it feels like you get good play from one of them, they could win a game, maybe two. If they don't get good play, they could loot, get upset in the first round or second round, and if they get both of them playing good for a week, two weeks at a time, they could make a deep run to the Elite Eight or potentially even the Final Four.
2: Oh, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, Davis and Broyle have been well over half of the team scoring this year. They're so reliant on those two, and if they get hot at the right time, as you said, they're getting, they can probably make a deep run, I think the rest of their team is good enough to kind of account for whatever other flaws, you know, how minimal they are, if Davis and Braille are, are going so well, but if they don't, I mean, we saw it against South Carolina, if they can stop, you know, if they can stop both of them, then, you know, there's no chance for Tennessee, but, you know, it, it comes down to those two it's, it's happened all year and, you know, going forward, the success is going to go through Davis and Braille. So.
0: How big of an issue, you know, Tennessee hasn't been getting a whole lot of production from their bench how big of an issue now that they're playing games on one day's rest or short rest is it that they they get more out of their bench
2: yeah it's going to be it's going to be very important for for the lady Balls going forward um you know especially if teams can stop Renee davis and ray burrell like south carolina did or tennessee continues to get foul trouble um and you know tamara key and cassie are coming out you got to bring in Emily Saunders or Jordan Horson or whoever it is off the bench. You know, those, those players haven't been producing all year. Um, I guess Jordan Horson has really been primarily like the sixth man off the bench, so to speak. And her numbers have not been great. She had, you know, she had a nice, I guess, a nice game. She did leave the team, but it was with 11 points against South Carolina. So, you know, put that into perspective, but it's, it's the lack of, uh, of scoring depth has been kind of an issue all year. And, you know, we talk about how, important Davis and Burrell are and so teams other teams in the tournament can you know look at this South Carolina game and see that oh this is going to be an issue for the Lady Vols if we can shut down you know this duo of Davis and Burrell you know their uh their scoring death is not going to step up and you know help carry the load and so this is definitely going to be a big issue for Kelly Harper and for the bench to address uh you know they got a week and a half or so so hopefully they will but yeah big issue for them.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the week and a half off. They'll have a week off until they know they're seeding in the tournament next Monday. What in this week off besides just getting fresh legs, resting everybody, does if you're Kelly Harper, is the most important thing to focus on? All
2: right. Well, there's certainly uh, no no shortage of issues they could work on. The scoring depth we've mentioned, you know, this this slow starts to games they've had, you know, they haven't really had a lack of energy lately. It's just you know, kind of the execution of their game plan, so they could work on that. Turnovers have been an issue all year, but honestly, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna fix that. It looks like they're just gonna have to sit around 15 turnovers per game, and you know, try to make up for that. So for me, I guess the biggest one would be the foul trouble because the last two games it was you know pretty egregious with the, the amount of fouls that Tennessee was getting in. Some of the calls I think might have been a little generous and going the other way, but that's that's just something that they have to work with. So you know, looking at, at cleaning up fouls, you know, particularly with Tamari Key, Cassie Kushkitawa, you know, some of those players up in the post that it's been Tennessee's been so reliant on. I think that's might be the biggest issue, the biggest thing they need to look at for this week.
0: Certainly should be interesting as Tennessee gets ready to advance into NCAA tournament play. They'll figure out their seating in their bracket next Monday. We'll have complete coverage of that getting you ready for the Lady Balls NCAA tournament. Now we'll Pivot over to segment three. We're gonna talk a little bit of Tennessee baseball on the way out. Josh also covers the baseball team for us here at the beacon. Good weekend for Tennessee's baseball team. They sweep a three-game series against Georgia State, winning 6-1, 5-1, and 7-0. Josh, what were your biggest takeaways from Tennessee baseball this weekend?
2: Yeah. This weekend, uh going into it, pitching was gonna be a big question mark for Tennessee because, you know, not only has Jackson Leaf been out, you know, of his last start with that that hamstring is injury but um you know Chad Dallas got scratched on Friday for soreness or whatever the case was so pitching this particularly starting pitching was going to be a big issue for that but so we saw some big performances this week I know we're going to talk a little bit about that later so I won't go too much right now but pitching that was a I think a big relief for Tony Vitello to see some of the performance he has got but also offense offensive wise on the you know hitting perspective I think they had, a, they had a really nice weekend, a weekend that you know they can that they really needed at this time because kind of – I want to say they've been struggling as a whole because they've still been scoring runs, but several players, you know, have been uh, kind of lacking, so to speak. And they, I think, you know, they kind of broke out when they needed it because this was not a bad Georgia State team at all. They've had some pretty nice wins this year. They faced – Tennessee faced a couple of good pitchers and, you know, Ryan Watson and then Treadway yesterday – and then they kind of hit him hit him around for a bunch of runs. So, you know, you look at um, Jake Rucker, you know, Max Ferguson had a couple of good games. Leon Spence has really been turning it up lately. So, a couple of those guys there um, really had a nice offensive weekend right when they needed it the most.
0: Yeah, I think the pitching was definitely the biggest takeaway I had. You know, you're down two of your best guys in Chad Dallas and Jackson Leaf, and, you know, Jackson Leaf it sounds like they're going to be down for a long while, if not the whole season. but. To not skip a beat, only give up two runs on the weekend, Blade Tidwell, looked the best he has so far in three starts. Will Heflin, who's basically only ever pitched in a bullpen role at Tennessee besides a few midweek starts, was fantastic starting on Friday, giving up one run in seven innings. And I think more than anything, what kind of blew me away with the pitching was those guys in the bullpen that are the staples, Sean Hundley, Redmond Walsh. Tennessee didn't really lean on them all that much. Sean Hundley threw one inning on Saturday. Redmond Walsh got to save on Saturday throwing two scoreless innings. But – it was a lot of the other guys that they they leaned on, and I think that certainly bodes well for Tennessee going forward. But we mentioned Chad Dallas obviously thinks it's gonna be a lock to be in that weekend spot when he comes back and gets fully healthy. I don't think his injury is too serious, but Jackson Lees does seem to be pretty serious. And Tennessee has kind of bounced around and tried a lot of different guys at that Sunday starter spot. Elijah, Elijah Pleasance Pleasants for a few weeks, Leaf had that start, and then Mark McLaughlin got the start this weekend through three and two thirds innings. What have you seen from Tennessee there? And how do you think that possibly develops as they get into SEC play?
2: Yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about that because, you know, yesterday, as you mentioned, McLaughlin and, and um, Elijah Pleasants followed it up and Pleasance has had two really nice outings in a row. So, you know, he could be definitely a candidate to start, but also McLaughlin's had a couple of nice starts too. So I figure, you know, Vitello might go with either one of those guys to start, you know, because I think they're a little different in arm angle and pitch types and stuff. So, it's a, a good difference for hitters to see. So, you might see, you know, pleasant start and then McLaughlin come in right after or vice versa like what happened yesterday. But definitely with the performances uh, they got with their, you know, their really good outings shutting out uh, Georgia State, very very good for Tony Vitello to see because, as you mentioned, Tennessee is um, – a having a little bit of depth issues with their starting pitching right now on the weekends.
0: Yeah, certainly agree with all of that. I think as good as Pleasance has been in his last two appearances out of the bullpen, I think it would be hard to see them moving him back to that role. Not that it's impossible, but more than anything, I think you saw this week how much they wanted to keep Hundley in the bullpen. It seemed everything to align for Sean Hundley to at least get one start or get a start after, you know, you felt like that was a possibility with Leaf going down and then even more so when Dallas went down, but for them not to do that, for them to keep him in the bullpen, I think shows that they want to look at all their other options there, and you know, Mark McLaughlin's not a guy who's throw, thrown a ton of innings, period, so it'll be interesting to see how he does in SEC play. Another guy that we haven't seen a whole lot of I'm curious about is Jason Rackers. He's, Vitello mentioned him preseason as being a guy who could be a weekend starter. We've only really seen him in one appearance. He's still not completely 100% back, I think, from that Tommy John's he had a season ago, but Another guy that would be interesting to see if he develops into a, a long inning option.
2: Yeah, I, you're absolutely right about that. I believe Racker started against Arkansas Pine Bluff the other week and had a good outing, so he's definitely an option, as you said, coming off injury. So that'll be something to watch. But Tennessee, they had every option to start Sean Hundley on Saturday, as you mentioned, and or on Sunday. Um, you know, with this with this open rotation spot, and they didn't. So I think you're absolutely right about that. They they really love Sean Hundley out of the bullpen. You know, he's he was well rested too, so only thrown an inning, so he definitely could have made that start. But they love what he brings out of the bullpen. Him, Redmond Walsh, really nice couple of arms there on the bullpen. So you know, as, as you said, Tennessee is uh they're going to see what else they can get from these guys that um you know that are the rotation options before you know having to turn to someone like Sean Hundley to start.
0: Tennessee will head back on the road in the midweek going to Charlotte to take on a pretty solid Charlotte squad as a former Vol, Austin Knight, who's on the team the past two years. So, no you know, Vitello Mission kind of reuniting with him. And then Tennessee will be back in Knoxville this weekend when they take on a UNC Greensboro team. It's off to a real nice 9-2 start. So, should be interesting. We'll have complete coverage of both games this week at utdailybeacon.com. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Checkerboard Chat. Have a great rest of your week.